ladies and gentlemen. It's the Shegulola Salami Show, and I'm Shegulola Salami. Um, it's a pleasure meeting you virtually today. The Shegulola Salami Show is a podcast show set in a virtual cafe, and I hope at the end of today's episode you will find it quite enjoyable. Um, you know, it's summer and I'm actually prepping my garden. Last year's takeaway, I'm an amateur gardener. Like I don't really know much about gardening, but I've been trying to improve my skills um, or my knowledge year on year. So last year's takeaway from my garden was that I needed um, companion plants. So this year, um, that's what I'm going to be doing to just make sure that all those little creatures that want to steal all our strawberries, you know, we get rid of them. Well, we'll have to sort out the birds as well, but it's still a learning process. So, yes. Anyways, who have I got here with me today? Hi, Sergio. This is David Gray. I'm a writer and author, and I specialize in uh, horror novels. And strangely enough, um, my wife and I have been married 35 years. We've been in the same house 34 years. And just this year, we decided to plant a garden. Really? And I, I did, I literally just been, been uh, yesterday spent all day weeding the place and we're getting ready to plant seeds tomorrow. Wow. So what did you do with your garden or was it a yard? What did you do with your backspace for 34 years? Well, it's uh, got a lot of weeds. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot. We just fenced it in. It's a small backyard, so there's really not a lot we could do with it. We poured a slab so we could put a table out there. And when we put a few torches, we realized that it's actually a nice little area. And uh, so I, um, I got my grungy clothes on uh, the, a few days ago and started uh, weeding and said, we're planting a garden. So we, we're, we're going to plant a garden. Nice. Yeah. See, I'm, uh, I've got, you know, sort of like normal grass, right? But it keeps mm -hmm. getting taken over by bloody, like, seriously, pardon me, beep, 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 beep. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like, I think it is like dandelions or whatever the blooming things are called, right? And, you know, I learned recently, because I like to go Google, right? Because I mm -hmm. had this weed killer, right, from last year, sprayed it on, it did absolutely nothing. And I'm like, come on, right? This is the 21st <laughs> century. The oracle that is Google is there, right? Right. So apparently, if you want to get rid of weed, weed permanently, you need to take a solution with vinegar, water, no, vinegar, dishwater, no, I can't even speak properly, vinegar, <laughs> washing up liquid, and salt, right? But the vinegar has to be 10% acidity, right? Okay. And everybody online who has written that review and written that recipe swears by it that at least two applications and all the weed will die. So I tend to get five, I tend to have 5% acid, uh, vinegar in the house. I didn't even know that my vinegar had an acidity label. I just knew I had vinegar. So I had to go and check and mine is 5%. So I need to make time to go and buy a 10% vinegar. And hopefully I can get rid of all my weeds. But thankfully I plant everything I do in pots because I can't be digging the soil. It's like no one's got the energy for that. Okay, you got me seriously intrigued. And I know I'm supposed to be talking about other stuff, but I'm writing down, use a 10% acidity in your vinegar. Yeah, so the, the, so the, you know there are different types. <laughs> I guess that's the beauty of the show, right? Like we, we're just so random. We're totally random. Anyway, so what I read is if you get vinegar, and I think it's white vinegar, that okay. if you check the label, it would say 10% acidity. Okay. And then if you get normal washing up liquid, 
Now, and by washing up liquid, you mean like dish soap? Like a yes, dog? yes, but the liquid one, not the okay. bar one. Right, liquid soap. And then just a few scoops of um, salt, and it would kill the bastards. Okay. Something that's good. Sorry, to not that I'm say this on, on my record, on my podcast, <laughs> but that's just how much I hate weed, right? Like they're literally trying to take over my garden. Like this. <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm talking to you from Tampa, Florida, and we have weeds. I, I can't. The the variety of weeds that we have is astounding. If I could harness weed energy, I would be the world's greatest gardener. <laughs> I mean, it almost, I mean, really and truly, it makes you believe in the curse that God put on Adam and Eve out of, out of, the, out of the Garden of Eden when he said, you will labor to grow things out of the garden. It used to, used to be easy for you, but now you're going to have to work at it because I swear, I do not have to work at all for weeds. I have to work for my plants. Yes. So. I know, so they're just, they're just so blooming annoying, right? Oh, I know. I think if it was just that, and then you have the insects, right? Last year, they were just going inside the leaf, and you know, it's like I had peppers, right? But the peppers mm -hmm. were growing well, but then the leaves were just looking like they were possessed. And I'm like, <laughs> what the heck is going on with my garden? So now I've gotten, so I got two I've got basil and I've got lavender, and I'm okay. going to them and apparently and i i've got an aloe vera plant which i think i almost killed right because over the winter it was in my kitchen and then summer came out i put it in the sun and then the, the leaves started changing to this brown and i was like has something you know started killing my aloe vera and then i went to read oh you can't put or you shouldn't put aloe vera on the direct sun and i'm like great but anyways yeah. apparently because of the spikes on aloe vera they're a good um, insect repellent. And someone was saying that he would like to see if they were quite good for that. So I think I'm getting ready now. So I've got my pot of um, basil, well, really small pot of basil. And I've got a pot of um, lavender that I need to transplant into bigger pots just because then I can move things around instead of things being in one, you know, one position all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's literally what I've been up to. And that's what I'm going to be doing for my garden this summer. But yes. Um, <laughs> and for, for, for all the aggravation, you're still going to be out there in your garden, pulling the weeds and planting the plants and tending the garden, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> because last year, right, this was amazing. I had one sweet pepper plant, right? And just mm -hmm. from that one plant, I had enough peppers to last me all of let's say from august last year to now oh that's that's excellent that is, that, yes that's what i want right send, send me your pepper plants sorry send me your pepper plants <laughs> no it died because oh. you know so i'm quite rubbish i kept it i wasn't really sure what i was supposed to do with them over winter the ones mm -hmm. that i really wanted to keep was my aloe vera um and i've got that oh, okay Aloe, yes. vera is, uh, aloe vera is a wonderful thing to have. It, it is perfect for burns. Yes. I mean, it's, just every, it's just wonderful stuff. It's a miracle plant. It is. It is. And I will tell you maybe in another episode when you come back again, because I've been trying, well, I, I said to my dad a couple of years ago that I wanted to make my own um, 
hair and skin products. And so when I, I didn't even plan it just because my life is just so hectic and I didn't really get the chance to do anything. And when I first, you know, got some of my aloe vera, I started doing it. And then I go, I started actually making, and then I was like, Oh, this is what I wanted to do. And here somehow without planning it, I got the first recipe. It wasn't perfect, but I'm learning from it because obviously with a nice recipe, you have to have a good balance of each ingredient. And I think I put too much of one. And so I need to go back to the drawing board and, you know, but it's just like, yeah. So who knows in a couple of years times or even next year, you know, you might see my own brand of hair care products that I'm doing from my kitchen from my one aloe vera plant. Well, I'll be putting down my money to buy them. So. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. Nice but anyways, enough about gardening, right? Like, okay. <laughs> what can I offer you? What virtual drink would you like? Let's start off that way. Okay. Well, stra uh, strange story. Um, and I'm going to bend your ear just a little bit. Um, last December, I have a passion for iced tea. I love iced tea. Maybe it's a Southern thing. I don't know, but I love iced tea, hmm. but I don't use sugar. I use the sweetened little packets, the little pink packets. And um, I was sitting in a restaurant on my lunch break uh, in December last year and uh, finished my lunch and I looked down and I saw six empty sweetened low packets. And I, I, had, I had just drank uh, just a ridiculous amount of tea with, with that artificial sweetener. And something went off inside of my head. I said, you know, that just cannot be good. No. So, <laughs> so I, made a, uh, I made a pledge to myself. I started in January. From January, I was only gonna do it for a month, but I've done it, uh, it's now a lifestyle. I only drink water. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 61 years old. I'm going to be 62 in just a couple months. And there are certain things that you could get away with when you're 20 or 30. You just can't get away with when you're, when you're 60. So um, I just, I, I, I found some really good uh, uh, seltzer water that uh, has a nice little flavor to it. But I just, yeah, uh, I've given up uh, pretty much every drink except just, just water. So if you have a nice ice water or nice soda water, I will take that. I will do you one better, right? Because obviously I'm Shegulola Salami and I do amazing things, right? I yes. will get you water infused with fruit. In my uh, fridge, uh. I've got a pineapple infused water. And I put a little dash of lemon juice in it. You are my new best friend. Thank you very much. Thank you very <laughs> much. Because like, I'd like to drink water myself, right? Like literally mm -hmm. people think I'm weirder because I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink coffee dough. I do. I am quite partial to hot chocolate, right? Oh, um, yeah. But other than that, I don't even drink juice regularly. I would do it once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, and then sometimes one day I was having a cold because, you know, the last couple of years I was having recurring colds all the time. And, mm -hmm. You know, I then said, you know what, let me just put a dash of lemon in it, right? But actually, I figured out almost the perfect recipe is having a dash of lemon and a dash of lime. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. two, I don't know, right? It was almost like a bitter, sweet, and it's just perfection, but that's just for me. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Okay, that's right. And then we've got the one with the pineapple as well. So, you know, then I just put it in a jug, put it in my fridge. And it just, you know, the, the juices start to infuse. When you're drinking it, you get a hint of the taste. It's like, oh, is that pineapple? Oh, is that lemon? And it's like, it yeah. just sort of teases with your mind. Yeah. You don't have to overpower with taste. You just need that taste, that, that hint. Yeah, hint exactly. I find that I'm actually consuming more water now that I infuse it than mm -hmm. before I actually infuse my water. That's good. That's very good. So you could try that. I will try that. Absolutely. Okay. I want to buy one. I want to buy one of those um, 
things that carbonates water. You can get them by the stores we have over here are called our Best Buy. They have these uh, the things you got the big bottle. You just pour the the water in, and it'll infuse. It'll it'll carbonate it. And I'm going to people drink carbonated water. I've never really gotten that. Well, for me, again, uh, I have a love for soft drinks, uh, Coke, Pepsi, all those. I love them, but they're just not good for me. And I, I just like the carbonation. Uh, and, you know, after a while, you get used to the taste. You, you tend to adjust to it. But for me, it was just I like the carbonation. Mm, interesting. It's just not something I never gotten into. Okay, cool. So tell me about your books, right? Let's, this is supposed to be a show on books and publishing and teaching. <laughs> and we've just literally been catching up because obviously, if you're listening to the show, David has been on the show before, so it's just been nice catching up, right? So pardon us, please. <laughs> well, uh, my first novel, Gamble's Run, was published last year. Mm -hmm. uh, the publisher is Hellbound Books uh, Publishing. Um, it's uh, where, you know, you know, you, you know as well as I do the plight of the independent author yeah. uh, and the independent publisher. You know, there's a there's there's like four million books out there on Amazon. A big portion of those are self-published. A big portion of those are independent publishers, and very few are uh, are have are major publishers. But uh, uh, I've gotten some sales, gotten some attention, gotten a little bit of traction. So uh, it's uh, it's coming along, not where I want it to be, but uh, I'm you know it's it's a good book. I think it's a very good read. Uh, what's very exciting is that um, uh, James Longmore, at, uh, the owner of Hellbound, uh, uh, wanted to do a, a, an audio version okay. of the book. And uh, he did some auditions. And I, I told my son, uh, Daniel, he loves audiobooks. And uh, he especially loves uh, the, I can't think of his name, but the, um, the artist who does the Stephen King audiobooks. He, just, he loves that guy. Okay. So I I said send him send in a uh, send in an audition I'll you know I'll, I'll forward it on to James and uh, he sent in an audition and got the uh, got the job he uh, so he my son Dan is uh, has um, has uh, performed the uh, the audio book for Gamble's Run and it's he did an absolutely bang up job a marvelous job I'm very proud of it oh fabulous yeah. so since so how long has your book been an audio book now uh, since uh, late last year. And that's actually the funny part is the audiobook's actually doing better than the print or the ebook. Uh, it's uh, that's actually making some some good sales in it. So um, uh, I'm very I'm very pleased with that. And I'm also, like I said, very proud of Dan. He's just done, well. He he calls himself Dan. For me, he I told him since the day he was born, he will be and always be Daniel to me. So he's he's Daniel. So. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, he just, uh, he rigged himself up a, um, a, a recording studio and just, uh, he's, a, he is a, a videographer and, okay. uh, and a cinematographer and an editor. He, uh, he took after his old man. He got, he uh, went into, uh, uh, videography and does very well at it. So he had all his own, he had his own, uh, recording equipment and his own editing equipment. So he was able to send Hellbound a, uh, completed product. So uh, fabulous! Yeah, you know, so uh, from start to finish, so it uh, it is uh, it's actually being very well received right now. I'm very proud of them. Oh, you should, you should. Yeah. I think the biggest um, what's the word I'm looking for pleasure or sign of reward for any parent is when your child is doing really well in whatever field you know they go in. It kind of makes you think that you know what you did your job well as a parent. Yeah, somewhere along the way, with all the mistakes I made, somewhere I got something right, you know. Exactly. Especially because uh, he went into the same field as me as I did, but he's actually better at it than I am. So that's that's actually uh, very uh, very very fulfilling. No, 
it is because he's probably <clears throat> learned things watching you do what you do and then just taking it a step further. Well, I grew up, I, did, I, um, I got into a, a little bit later in life. I, was, I think I was 20, 23, 24 years old. Um, he grew up with it. He grew up around it. So uh, he's, it's, to him, it was, it was as natural as breathing. So I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm very pleased and proud of him. And the audiobook, uh, I can't, I just can't say enough. He put his, he, he was pretty much, by the time he finished it, it took him, I think, about eight weeks to do it from start to finish until he was happy with it. And um, he was just absolutely drained after you're done. He just puts, he puts so much energy and emotion into it. And uh, just, uh, just as far as I'm concerned, he knocked it out of the park. Oh, good, 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 good. So what is your latest book called now? Um, I just finished a novel. It's taken me uh, almost exactly 12 months to write. Uh, I, it's called The Vegas Rift. The Vegas Rift. Okay. And uh, it's... Uh, uh, it's um, the best way I've described, are you familiar with uh, Howard Phillips Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft? No. Okay. H.P. Lovecraft was a, a, a writer of horror. He was a contemporary of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, okay. And that's where, that's somebody who I actually take uh, a bit of inspiration from because he didn't deal with ghosts or goblins or ghouls. He did with those, some of those, uh, like those nameless horrors beyond time and space kind of thing. Uh, we call it, yeah, we call it cosmic horror. Uh, go ahead. No, quick question. What do you think of the director, writer, M. Night Shyamalan? Um, loved his earlier stuff. Haven't cared for his later stuff. I haven't actually watched any of his later stuff, but it's like whenever I've watched his movie in the past, one of the earlier, earlier ones, I go, oh my God, what goes through your mind? Like, how does someone sit down and write and come up with this stuff, right? Like, I think, you know, authors, we have, our, our minds are messed up, but I'm like, mm -hmm. dude, I give you the crown. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially, uh, what, what was the one? I see dead people. Um, that, that, I mean, that when I first saw it, that just, that just absolutely blew me away. And then I really, it didn't get as good reviews, but I really enjoyed his movie Signs about the uh, aliens and yes. the aliens in the cornfield with the one with Mel Gibson. Yes. I enjoyed that one. So yes. I, 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 thought that was... I, I just said, you know, because I think I was in my 20s then and I was like, dude, your brain, right? I don't even know what goes in there, right? I give you the yep. crown and I will just respect <laughs> myself and stay away. But I really admire his mind, right? Like how anyone could just sit down and write out or type out scene by scene all the different things that he does like mm -hmm. oh my god his mind must be a very scary place no i i think that could be said for any writer especially any fiction writer i mean it uh, you know your your brain sort of fires its synopses on in different order or in a different order or a different way or something and you tend to see things in a different uh, light that uh, and that light can sometimes be very scary Yes, but I think horror writers, there's in a different level. I agree. Uh, now, for me, um, for me, it's my dreams. I'm, I'm in a, 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 for some reason, I don't know why, but I'm an essentially, exceptionally vivid dreamer. So much so that my dreams stay with me throughout the day, and I usually remember them months and years later. Wow. Uh, both, uh, and then the, uh, while the Gamble's Run was uh, inspired by a specific location here in Florida, the Vegas Rift was uh, inspired by a very vivid, very frightening dream I had. Hmm. 
Oh, interesting. So yeah. how, okay, before I, I was going to ask you, so how do you write horror, right? Just because I like to learn from horror writers. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's a skill in itself that the average writer cannot master, right? Like only certain people can be horror writers because I once tried to do it. I tried to write from an African horror point of view and I mm-hmm. scared myself. Like, how did you scare yourself? I was like, I'm like, I said, there's that, there was this movie I once watched, right? Where I think an alien had gotten into someone's mind, but Mm -hmm. then the person had filed all his thoughts into um, boxes or was it behind doors? So the alien couldn't find the particular memory that he wanted. So I always imagine, right? There's certain parts of my brain that I just think that door should not be open. And that's where anything horror, I think that I can imagine has been shot behind because my mind is a scary place. Even I get scared of it. So how do you not get scared of writing horror? Well, my wife, my, my wife raises her eyebrows at me every now and then. Even after 35 years, I can still shock her. Um, but uh, honestly, for me, I have a very simple rule when it comes to writing. Um, I don't sit down, when I sit down to write, I don't sit down to write a horror story. story. I don't sit down to frighten people. I, my rule is all things serve the story. If you don't write a good story, it doesn't matter what genre it is. It's not going to be any good. It's like going to a movie to watch a horror movie and just having nothing but what they call jump scares. You know, people jumping out from behind a corner and the music suddenly crescendoing at the you know. And, but that, but then nothing happens. It doesn't it doesn't advance the story. For me, you've got to have a good story. And that story, a good horror story, isn't so much as scaring people, but there has to be a mystery. It has to be a mystery that leads the protagonist into a situation that uh, can maybe seem hopeless, but should definitely be frightening. But honestly, I don't set out to scare my readers. Um, I think part of that is that there is such a glut on the horror market in both uh, movies and literature that I think in a sense, in a very real sense, the audience has become uh, jaded and become conditioned to anything we can throw at them. So I figure if I can if I can tell a good story with believable characters that you can care about, and put them in situations that may make people uncomfortable or 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 scared or a little nervous or maybe 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 even every now and then give them a nightmare or two, then I've done my job. Yeah, but then what would you do differently in terms of how you? Because I think in writing they always say show not tell. So how would you show something, you know, because you said mystery, right? But how would the mystery in a horror novel be different to that, say, in sci-fi or in a thriller or, you know, in a detective story? Like, how do you pitch yours so that a person who is reading it is at the edge of their seat and their heart is pacing? Well, the mystery, you have to ask the, you have to ask the, ask the question, you know, what's motivating the, the protagonist? What's, what's, what's pushing them forward? Um, and the mystery, uh, in, in a sense, not, there's not that lot of difference between a sci-fi mystery, a horror mystery, a, uh, a detective mystery. It's a puzzle that needs to be solved. The question is, what happens when you start to solve it? You know, do, uh, is when, you, when you solve the puzzle, does it lead to something worse? Does it lead you down a darker rabbit hole? Um, so to me, uh, I don't think writing... Um, 
in the different genres is that much difference when it comes to telling a good story. You just have to have something that's going to draw your reader in and say, hey, I want to find out more. Tell me more. Oh, good. Here's the next chapter. You're going to tell me more. Mm, mm. Interesting. Um, I, I, I like... Sorry, go on. I like to blend genres. Um, mm. It's, I, I think... You know, there's no reason why you can't have a good uh, horror story that's also a detective story or a good detective story that's a good romance or, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't, I think if we limit ourselves to a single genre, we're limiting ourselves as a, both readers and writers. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like I was talking about the Vegas Rift. Uh, it is, I have gone, I went darker in the Vegas Rift than I've ever gone in my life. And, and Gamble's Friends got some, some fairly dark, uh, dark scenes, but I went a lot darker in Vegas Rift than I've ever gone, but I also went a lot more humor, and I, I, I used a lot more humor in the mm. Vegas Rift than I've ever done in my life. It's, I, I, the way I've been describing it is it's like Edgar Allan Poe meets a Hope and Crosby road pitcher. Yeah, okay. So do you not find that when you're writing something that you scare yourself, or you're like, yeah, just whatever, it's just fiction, it's make-believe, it doesn't matter? Uh, I, I have scared myself. Um, there are scenes, uh, one in Gamble's Run and several in the Vegas Rift, that when I've written them, I've been, I've, 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 I'm glad that they're done. It's like going into something and saying, I really don't want to write this, but if I want to make this story right, I have to write this. And once it's written, it's like, man, I'm glad that's over. Uh, there were scenes like that in Vegas Rift that really took me out of myself. Um, I don't, have uh, gratuitous sex in any of my books hmm. but in the Vegas Rift I had I it was and, and I know this sounds weird but the story demanded that I write a fairly intense love scene right and, and after that I, and after it was over I went to my wife and said hey honey I, well, I'm not cheating on you but believe me I, I this, this, <laughs> this was difficult for me to write so forgive me and love me anyway okay you know <laughs> Okay. I like that. I wasn't cheating on you. <laughs> well, let me just say, I put my heart and soul into the scene. And, uh, right. Okay. And I, I think, think it came up pretty I good. think that's probably piqued everyone's interest now. <laughs> yeah, the, um, like I said, in Gamble's Run, there's, uh, there's a love story, but it's, it deals with two people who are separated at the beginning of the book and are not reunited and reunited tragically at the end of the book. So mm. it's more of a, Gamble's Run is more of a quest. Um, the uh, Vegas Rift is, um, uh, has a much more of a love story in it. Right. Okay. So what are the five things, you know, that you've learned between when you published Gamble's Run to now? Oh, that is a good question. Um, five things I've learned. One, uh, above all, patience. Um, yeah. You know, you have dreams, and I, I have no, I'm willing to bet you've shared these dreams. As soon as you put something out there, you see the success rolling in. You see the readers grabbing the book. You see the accolades. And, and, and let's be honest, you see some of the cash flowing in, you know. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you have to, you have to be patient. You have to build an audience. You have to like, get, get your work out there. And uh, so you have to be patient. Um, something else that uh, uh, I think I've learned is perseverance. Um, 
a friend of mine who passed away a few years back had a saying that I really has, have taken to taken to uh, to heart. It's become sort of a life motto for me. <clears throat> he used to say, "I will not quit; therefore, I cannot be defeated." Yeah. And I think th those are those are those are excellent words to live by. But especially for a writer, you don't quit. You you get you you, you finish your work. You do it, make it as good as you can. You find a publisher. You get it out there. And then once you're done with that, you go on to your next work. You may, and then you make it better, and you make it. Uh, you 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 figure out you know what you can do better, how you can be a better writer, how you can be a better person. So perseverance is one thing that I've learned. Um, not to give up, not to quit. Um, uh, what else have I learned? Um, don't be discouraged. That might that might fit in with perseverance, but uh, it's very easy. Uh, writers tend to be a very sometimes can be a very fragile kind of people. And uh, the, I uh, haven't experienced any terrible reviews yet, but I have gotten uh, some, uh, some I will call it constructive criticism, but it was hard to take. Yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, you, you, you tend to have, have to develop a thick skin and you take, if somebody tells you something, it, it may hurt a little bit, but then you say, oh, well, you know, that actually, that actually is uh, useful. So you take it and you work with it and you go with it and you make it, you know, you, you internalize it. So that, um, what else? Um, no, now I'm coming up blank. That's fine. I know uh, I put that, you on the spot. That's three out of five. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. Uh, probably better than I could do if I was put on the spot myself. Um, <laughs> okay, so it's coming to that time of day where I would have to kick you out. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that, 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 but, that has gone very quickly i know time apparently when you step into the shagulala salami show the virtual cafe you step into a time warp right time yeah. just goes out it doesn't follow normal time recording right absolutely um, it feels like you know you've been here only a little amount of time but lots of times just because you're having so much fun i'm having lots of fun um, uh, me too me too how can people connect with you if they wanted to find out, um, you know, if they wanted to do so or if they wanted to find out more about you? Well, there's a few ways. Uh, one, uh, you can find my work um, on Amazon.com. Just uh, Google or, or search David F. Gray. Um, you can, uh, my publisher is uh, hellboundbookspublishing.com. Um, you can also connect with me on my author's Facebook page. It's David F. Gray author uh, on Facebook. So you can find me there and I would love to, to hear from, from your listeners and uh, connect with them and, uh, you know, say hi and things like that. Uh, those are the main ways that you can, uh, you can find me. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And I know this is your second time coming over, but it would be absolutely lovely to see, chat with you again sometime in the future. Maybe you've got another book. Are you working on another book right now? Uh, actually, I'm writing a few short stories. I had to take a break from the uh, from the uh, hard, li heavy lifting of a novel. I just couldn't I couldn't start another year long labor. So, I uh, I'm working on some short stories now. And plus, I've got to go back. What I've uh, learned is um, that's there, there. Here's one thing I've learned: when you write a novel, after you finish it, put it aside for a few months, then come back and look at it. So I'll be doing that in my uh, in the next few months, coming back and looking at the Vegas Rift and doing a rewrite. Okay. Okay. So is that, is it not yet available for purchase? No, I haven't even approached a publisher. I'm not ready to show it yet. I just finished the first draft uh, last month and then Dick gave it a once over and then starting probably in June. Uh, I find that if I just leave something, if I, if I let it set aside for a little bit and 
uh, leave it. I, if when I come back to it, I come back to it with fresh eyes, so I'm able to do a, a much better rewrite. So as soon as I get that done, I'll be uh, shopping around at various publishers. Uh, Hellbound will be my first stop. Okay. Well, if anyone was listening and they were intrigued and they wanted to read your draft, would you be open to that? Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. Uh, I, I'm letting my son read it. Okay. Because he's, he can be, we have that relationship where we can be very blunt with each other and not kill each other. Okay. So, um, um, so I, it's not ready to be read yet. Uh, maybe in the next few months, if somebody wants to be like a beta reader and um, uh, give, it a, give it a whirl and, and uh, give me some input, I, I might be open to that. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Well, if you're listening to this, you know, um, you know, do connect with um, David F. Gray if his book sounds interesting and maybe when he's ready for someone other than his son to read his book, he <laughs> might be open, might, emphasis, right? Capital might. letters, bold, underlined, yes. might. Italicized. Sorry? Italicized as well. Exactly. So he might be open to you reading it. So I think his book sounds quite interesting, right? I'm almost scared just imagining it myself, but you know, we'll see how it goes. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, I hope you've um, enjoyed today's episode of the Shagilola Salami show. If you've enjoyed it, please tell everyone, absolutely everyone in your show and in your network what you think about the show. Write a review on Amazon. No, what am I saying? Scratch that. Write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you normally listen to the show. Please write a review. And do drop me a line as well because I do like connecting with people. As you can tell, I like chatting anyway. So please do drop me a line via my website. Uh, I will be happy to know who, who listens to my show. Um, but yes, it's that time of day where I have to rush to go and pick up my little human. And so I will catch you again next week on the Shagilala Salami Show. Bye now.